This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The treble winning Blues continued their four-peat chase with a hashtag big win against Newcastle Arabia. Not that any of us can remember anything about it, though. Saturday, 8pm kickoffs. I'm looking at you. It's Monday, the 21st of August. I am Amos Murphy. I'm Ollie McCool. I'm Andrew Detmer. And this is the City Report Podcast. Welcome back to another brand new week on the City Report podcast. Another winning week, obviously, for Manchester City. Unfortunately, not for the England Lionesses, though. They come up shorts in the World Cup final. I've got one glum, Ollie. I've got one quietly smug, Andrew. Um, well done, Andrew. You were, yeah, you, you can keep your full World Cups. We thought we were coming to the party, but unfortunately not. You know, look, I. it has nothing to do with the Lionesses themselves. Um, doesn't even have much to do with uh, the two of you. Um, although, you know, your your oh, your, your sad tears may have like slightly brightened my day, but it it would have just been the amount of English fans who I know have zero interest in that team outside of this short little tournament who would have been bragging about football's coming home when you guys haven't won a World Cup since 1966. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> Ollie, Ollie, uh, I'll let you uh, deal with that one. I mean, I mean, who needs the World Cup when you've got the when you've got the Arnold Clark Cup? Eh? I mean, there's just, <laughs> there's just bigger prizes on offer. No, uh, it's it's a sad day. It's a sad day. Uh, I really thought they'd do it, but you know, considering mm. where we were at the start of the tournament, all the injuries. Uh, you know, without our captain, one of the most inspirational women I think we've ever known yeah. in English in English football. Um, on, on, yeah, and on and off the, the pitch, pitch as well, yeah. Um, and obviously, a cut and a couple of other players out with long term injuries. They did so well to get a second. Um, and Mary Earps has mm-hmm. taken up the mantle of the Queen of Swearing, left behind by City's own Jill Scott, um, <laughs> by screaming fuck off to literally nobody after one of the best penalty saves seen in the tournament. So, you know. Yeah, uh, less said about the referee from my end, but uh, that'll uh, we'll, we'll leave the World Cup chat there. Um, if you haven't already, please follow, please subscribe. We've got five episodes coming this week for you. 
This episode is brought to you by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club is fighting for a chance at promotion. These two Hollywood stars lead a team in the midst of history in the making, while dedicated staff and supporters hold on to a dream of returning the team and this working-class town in Wales to glory. FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres September 12th on FX. Stream on Hulu. Hey, Spotifyers, click or tap the banner to listen to Rap Caviar, the freshest 50 hip-hop songs on the rawest playlist ever. Brought to you by our friends at Stars and the new season of Power Book 4, Force. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. Um, okay, let's get into the the Newcastle chat then, because it, like I said in the introduction, it was a hashtag big win, trademark big win. However you want to dub it, even in the second game of the season, Andrew, it felt like a real statement from Pep Guardiola's men. And I think we'll obviously focus on the 90 minutes, but just to fast forward to the end straight away, the way Guardiola herded the players together and did a lap of a, a lap of honour um, almost around the Etihad Stadium at full time, sort of, I think it was the Fulham game, you were there last season, he did a, a similar sort of thing, it, you know, it felt it felt monumental, it felt like they had to really dig deep and obviously you could say it was the first game after the treble win and the UEFA Super Cup win and obviously the fans obviously uh, being back home, so to speak, but it felt like it meant a lot to Guardiola. I think it did. And I think, you know, partially you have to look at, he spent the whole week talking up the need for the 12th man of the Etihad crowd to be behind mm-hmm. the team. And I think he knew and we saw that we were tired and we definitely were those last, I think, 20, 25 minutes. It was particularly evident. And so shouts to Guardiola for recognizing that if he's going to demand that from the crowd and the fans and then they perform, the players need to go recognize that effort. And so I'm glad that happened. But yet, this was it's a monumental win, both from the type of team Newcastle are, and I think what opposition they will put up to all the big teams this season. And I think they're a real threat for a lot of teams that are in the hunt for top four to have a you know match that goes awry a little bit at home. But you also throw in first home match after the treble, the 20th anniversary mm-hmm. celebrations of being at the Etihad. It was the 17th consecutive home win, which shouts to Ali for pointing out that means we actually haven't lost at home in this calendar year, which is crazy to think about. But it's just there was a lot of emotion and a lot of things and pressure that you could put on that that you would not be totally surprised if something were to go awry. And so the fact that it didn't, the fact we got across the line, the fact that we did play the way we did and controlled that match, phenomenal. I have no complaints on to Sheffield United. Yes, yeah, certainly. It was a it was a really, really gutsy performance. Um well like I said, we'll delve into the player performances in a minute. But Ollie, just to go back to what Andrew said in terms of obviously Guardiola asking for the fans to turn up, um, obviously vocally, not literally in the presence, but that, that pre match was just it was sensational. They un- unveiled the obviously they had the little TIFO, they had the uh banner on the pitch, the atmosphere was was incredible for probably 75 of the 90 minutes obviously the last 15 were a little bit nervy and a little bit tetchy but we're at a stage now aren't we Ollie where the Etihad Stadium is is a fortress it is probably on current form statistics may say otherwise there could be a a ground in the Ecuadorian second (laughs) league which says that you know it's a harder place to go but I can't think of a, a, a stadium in world football which is harder to get a result from 
cue a Fulham win in two weeks' time, obviously. But, you know, it feels like we have finally got to a place where the Etihad Stadium, 20 years into having moved there, it is the place to sort of be for City and obviously quite the opposite for opponents. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you just think of all the, of all the recent performances there. So, you know, you, th- this game, Chelsea at home when we'd won the, the day after we'd won the, the league, Real Madrid at home, Bayern at home. Mm. You know, these are games that are living in our memory probably forever. Um, even, you know, you think of yeah. Leeds at home um, where Gundogan scored 2-0 win, what looked like a standard title race win. But it sticks in the memory because the Etihad has just become impenetrable. And that's a mixture of, you know, how City line it defensively now and, you know, the actions that Guardiola has taken to stop the silly counter-attacks of old but it's the fans showing up every single week now. You know, it is impossible to get tickets. The amount of times I have people, you know, messaging me on Twitter and all sorts of things who are like, I don't want to call them football tourists, but, you know, the people who go to go to games because they want they, mm. they want to see a game in that stadium or they want to see that team play or whoever, um, you know, the one-off visitors. The amount of people I have saying, how do you get tickets for the Etihad? How do you get tickets for City? That wasn't happening four or five years ago. That wasn't happening 10 years ago. This is, we, we are the team people want to see. We are the flagship of the Premier League. And it's just amazing that every time you rock up at the Etihad, it's noisy, it's a great time, and City pretty much are always getting across the line. And not and usually not in scrappy fashion. You, you know, even, you know, you can say oh, it's a 1-0 win. But it wasn't scrappy, really. It was complete and utter mm-hmm. dominance from City from minute one. And that's what we've gotten used to as fans. And it's... It, it's crazy how even you know after the treble, after everything Guardiola has achieved here, the bar is still being raised. Uh, you know, um, it's just fantastic. I, I love it. I, you know, going to the Etihad at points in our history has been a kind of not a nice thing to do. It's been a, a bit of a chore. yeah, a bit of a chore. You know, the the late cup draws and you know when you're playing against the League One opposition, and that'll be the test. You know, will will fans still want to turn up, mm. will, or will it be a more family crowd because it's the only time they can get tickets? With the way modern football is, there's all these things. But I th- I I don't know a City fan who doesn't love going to see City now, whoever we're playing, whatever the game is, because you just know you're going you're in for a great night of not just football but entertainment and a great atmosphere. You know, the Etihad is pr- pretty much now one of the best places in world football, and you've just got to hope with the expansion coming there. It doesn't change doesn't change that soul of it because I think there I think there is a soul at the Etihad now that wasn't there before. Yeah, we've 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 definitely grown into it over the last two decades, and it, it was my dad actually who pointed this out to me, um, which I found interesting. But he he said after the 2012 title win, there was almost a sense of well, what next for City supporters in the sense that it felt <laughs> it would never it would never get better than that to win a league title was the the, the crowning glory really. But on the back of this treble win, it, it feels like the appetite Andrew has just increased tenfold, and, and we'll tie this into the game and, and the performance as well, but. It, it almost feels as if, okay, that that was that was achieved. Now go and maybe not repeat it, but you know, go and enhance your position in world football. And, and obviously, Champions League is to come. We'll see how City respond to, to that. But it, it does feel like at this moment, the club's in in a very sort of special place. Obviously, the the side note and the the, the sort of the the side show to this, sorry, is the fact that the club could get it very wrong in the way that the the handle the the tickets in as we see in last se- last season at times but it feels like a really good time to be a city fan yeah absolutely i mean i think it 
this is something that city fans of old could never have dreamed of. It's something that those of us living it now still struggle to come to terms with. I mean, mm. seeing, you know, we obviously did not see all of the pre-match buildup on the TV. They were showing shots and they showed, you know, the fireworks shot around the top of the Etihad. I mean, look, mm. looks phenomenal and theatrical, but it still brought chills to see the TV and just realize like, oh yeah, we're treble winners. And not only that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, not only that, we're the only treble winners in England to have won the Super Cup after winning the treble. Like we, th- we are doing things that are... And to have gone into it as Premier League champions as well. Right. You know, like, let's get all the Burt points in there. Right, yeah. And it's it's one of those things that what we are getting to live through is phenomenal. And it, it's funny to me because you talk about there are all these things off the pitch that the club needs to make sure they get right. And I, I do think that they, as much as we criticize them, they do tend to get more right than wrong. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I think is cool is... And this is to Ali's point, less on the you know individual fan, but I don't remember prior to last season games, regardless of the team you that were playing, you were seeing celebrities and big names who are football fans and uh, not yeah. at the Etihad, and just like taking in the spirit of it. And whether it's things that are tangentially related to football, of you know Ted Lasso with the whole you know cast and crew kind of there to meet with Pep Guardiola mm. with Pep's, you know, tie into the show. But like Awesome Chaudhry, the big who's a massive Newcastle fan, was at the match yesterday, like all excited about it. like that wasn't happening. And I get that Newcastle are a, it's a big match now. We talked about it on the preview show, but it is something where going to the Etihad to watch City play is an event and an experience beyond your typical match of football. And that is all down to the quality of our players, the quality of our coaching staff and the quality of the club of kind of everything they put on. And it's just, it's so nice to just know that though all of that is going to be handled well. And, you know, sure the transfer window this summer maybe hasn't gone totally according to plan, but like, if that's our biggest complaint, I can live with it. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It is. Um, it, it feels almost weird to be living f- through the glory days because I don't think any of us are under any assumption this will this level of success will last forever. Obviously, City will continue to be successful to a certain degree, but these are the glory days. They are the halcyon days, and to actually be sort of living through them, you you, you told growing up as a City supporter about those times of, of yesteryear, but to actually have them whilst you're alive is, is fantastic, really. It is, I know what you mean when, when to see treble winners and to see the, the trophies in the stadium, I think for me that was probably the first time since June the 10th when City won the Champions League. It's really sunk in. Um, but but enough of the ceremony, ceremonial stuff because obviously there was a game and, and apologies for people tuning in to listen about that game. We will get to it now. But um, Ollie, to, to go back to it, a, a really gutsy performance. For me, I think the overriding feeling is these three matches against Burnley, against Sevilla, against Newcastle, um, obviously now there's eight days rest, or at least there was eight days rest from Saturday to the next game City have against Sheffield United. But it felt like get three wins, don't worry about the performance, see where the squad is in terms of transfers, fitness, injuries, etc. later in the month. And that's exactly what City did. Yeah. It, I mean, you can't... It's hard to put, word, put it into words, really, because... We, I think we all came into the season a little bit hungover still from the treble and from, um, you know, I don't think any of us were really kind of fully geared up for it and waiting desperate for football to be back in that sense. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, last night especially kind of confirmed it for me. So, yeah, I'm happy now. This is great. We've got through 
what could have been an absolute hell yeah. week, you know. But Burnley is a potential banana skin, no matter who the manager is, and especially with it being Vincent Company, the kind of legacy there, the narrative there. It was all there to be written against Pep Guardiola and, and City, and we came through it. Sevilla could have easily become the midweek annoyance from hell, and it wasn't, uh, despite the temperature, um, which I'm sure you can talk about, Eos. Mm, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Yeah, I've not stopped speaking and, about and it. Th- it was horrible. And then, and then you get to Newcastle and you think, oh, they've just come a 5-1 win. This is going to be a really tough game. We've got a bunch of injuries, bunch of absences. And you just... And, and we, I don't think any of us predicted, you know, anything better than a draw, a score draw. And they just... And I, I think it's one of the best performances I've seen from certain individual players, and we'll get into individual players, but the one I just want to start with and make sure I get in is Phil Foden. Because I, I I kept saying last mm. night, and I, I I woke up this morning still thinking about that performance, it was the best I've ever seen him play. It was he was he I've never yeah. seen yeah. him put in a performance as good as that. And it's really nice after the, the tough kind of six months he's had, and everyone's saying, oh, Bakayo Saka is now the Premier, League, the Premier League's top young talent. Oh, he's this, he's that. Phil's not, Phil's not cut out to play out wide. He, maybe he should be thinking about leaving City. He can't nail down a place. And then he just turns up against, you know, the team with quite with a burgeoning reputation in Newcastle and just runs that midfield on his own. Uh, you know, Bruno Guimaraes didn't have a clue what to do. Joe Linton didn't have a clue what to do. Um, Sandra Tonali looked absent for most of the game in my opinion but Phil Phil Foden was mm-hmm. the star of the show from minute one and I think when you've got a player like that who can come in and just deliver a performance like that from nothing not, none of us expected it. I don't think you know we can all say on the previous show who do you think is going to a game of Phil Foden because it's Phil Foden but I don't think any of us saw a game of that magnitude and then you think of all the kind of struggles going around City with Kevin De Bruyne being out for months you know, we've had once away Bernardo, now it seems sorted. You know, the problems that we've had trying to bring in new attackers, you know, not playing with a right winger. You know, we've gone from not playing with a striker to, you know, not playing with fullbacks to not playing with a right winger now. Um, It'll be a goalkeeper. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's it. You know, Edison I mean, centre back. Half arguably, time. we haven't had a goalkeeper since Ederson came in. I mean, like, if we're being honest. <laughs> yeah, true. True. Yeah, true. I was, I was going to do the Phil Foden chat a little bit later on, but I guess we'll get into it now, Andrew, because it, it really was a coming-of-age moment for him, I felt. Um, I'm sure most people would have seen the uh, compilation going around social media of his highlights. And if you know, if you woke up from a coma, you'd probably be mistaken for thinking it was across a, a, a three-week, a four-week, maybe even a full-season spell. It was about two or three minutes long. There were so many different interchanges. He was everywhere on the pitch, receiving the ball with his back to goal, dribbling at play is it's everything we've wanted Phil Foden to do for his City career and obviously he has done this I I don't know if it was this week or or last week I I put a tweet out when there was the conversations about is Phil Foden's potential not being fulfilled at City and I said well he's played 200 senior appearances he's got I think it was just under 100 goal and assists in that time so he averages a goal and assist pretty much every other game obviously he picked up another one against Newcastle He's 23 years old. He's 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 just the, the we've known this forever and ever and ever. But the world is at his feet, and it feels now like he's starting to take the steps towards towards filling that potential that we all know he can. Absolutely, and I think it's something that fans see a young talent like Phil come through at the age that he came through, and think, well, he's got to be immediately playing, mm. you know, 2,000 senior minutes a game, and we need to just 
you know, let him run free. And you can point to players like Owen Rooney or Jude Bellingham, where that was the case, that they came through at that age and they were immediately thrust into those type of minutes. But you yeah. can also see with someone like Wayne Rooney, and I'm worried about it with Jude, that their careers are far shorter than they should be because of the level of minutes and fatigue that are put on their body at such a young age. But also it does not necessarily give them the time because there are lots of young players who come through that don't ever get a career like Wayne Rooney or Jude Bellingham. And they show the same level of promise, but they fall off because of the pressure, because they're mismanaged. Phil has been inculcated with, one, an environment where it's not all on him to do everything. Two, with players to show him how to do everything when it's his time. And now that it is his time, and I think we can safely say with KDB out for the next several months and the age that Phil is at and kind of the set of the squad, this is Phil's moment to slot into midfield and claim it as his own. And I think he did it yesterday, you know, I think I may rate Newcastle's performance yesterday slightly higher than the two of you did. But in terms of looking at the numbers, Phil had seven key passes yesterday. Newcastle as a team had six. Like Phil ran the show. He uh, had nine ground duels. He won seven of them. He was three for three on his dribbles. I mean, he absolutely pasted Newcastle and just said, mm. I'm just going to run this. And it, I'm so happy for him because – he deserves it. He's had, you know, last year was maybe not his best season. I think we can all agree, but mm-hmm. he is now in a place, I think, where he's mature enough. He is both mentally and physically, and he's just experienced enough that Pep can slot him into midfield and he is ready to go. And it's not what would have happened. I think even last season, it may have been a little too early to put the pressure that he would have been on under yesterday on him, but it's not now. And that's yeah. awesome to see. It, it was quietly and and obviously um, there were, there were m- much more worthy recipients of this tag, but it was quietly one of the best Premier League performances of all time, at least in a Manchester City shirt, and not in the sense that, you know, he, against Manchester United last season, he got a hat-trick, or uh, Kevin De Bruyne has scored four goals away at Wolves, or whatever, you know, numbers-wise, there are better, but just in terms of a player having an impact on the game, I'm struggling to remember such a dominant individual performance from a singular player. It was... Everywhere, every time you look up, it's Phil Foden collecting the ball or bar the odd Jack Grealish at left back, which was just crazy anyway. But, you know, it, it was Phil Foden making the blocks or it was Phil Foden making the passes. Had, her, had Erling Haaland had his shooting boots on, perhaps he would have ended up with a, a couple more assists. But yeah, it, it was it was absolutely sensational and um, just like so happy for him as well. I know it sounds daft because he's he's a, a multi-millionaire footballer and he's sort of playing Premier League football at the highest level. But the pressure on his shoulders from an early age and shout out to Guardiola and, and the City team, the way they've managed him, like you say, Andrew, has been fantastic. But um, we'll call it there for part one. Join us after the break. We'll pick up the pieces and speak about the rest of the talking points from City's win over Newcastle. The NFL is here, and it's all about the sweet offers from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code FIELDGOAL to sign up. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. 
Like, maybe you're a raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. If you haven't already, as usual, please put down whatever you're doing, unless it's driving, continue driving to hit follow, subscribe, leave a rating or a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening along on. Again, please continue driving. Do not stop on the motorway to uh, drop a rating on the show. But um, let's continue the chatter about the Newcastle game. I want to pick up on a couple of home debutants. Well, Siri doesn't understand, so that's a great start. Um, But, Ollie, let's start with uh, Mateo Kovacic, because speaking of good performances, his was bloody good. Has he had a bad game yet? And like, I know, I know. I'm... Well, the the pool's quite small. No, no, no. Not, <laughs> not in a city kit, just not, in a different no. color of blue. Yeah, in a different <laughs> color of blue. But you know, if you think, I mean, I didn't watch all the preseason mm. games, but you know, from from what from what I from what I did see on preseason, what I saw in the community shield, and then the three actual competitive games we've played, he's <laughs> as a player of a fitted in. Outside of the defence, just immediately so well in a Pep Guardiola team. I don't think it's so good. I, I mean, I mean, you can say Harlan because obviously he was scoring lots of goals, but it was a different type of fitting in. Kovacic looks like he's been here for five years. You know, he's been in the Premier League for years, so he's up to the physicality of it and that standard. But fitting into a City midfield and just looking immediately at home is probably the hardest thing to do in world football. And Mateo Kovacic just managed it. And I remember all the crap, you know, I was hearing from Chelsea fans. You know, Chelsea fans were very divided on Kovacic, pretty much his entire career there. It was, oh, he's crap, he's useless, he doesn't do anything. And I, and I just think, well, and then you hear him being linked with City, you're like, mm, well, they must see something in it. And then there was a few who were like, a bit more sensible saying, no, you'll love him. He's perfect for Guardiola. And he is, you know, he, mm. he's just, he's, he's brought a different edge to that role on the left side of midfield than you know what Gundogan brought or what Bernardo's brought in the past you know the way he drives forward the ball the way he, you know he's always looking for Erling Haaland on the through balls which Erling Haaland clearly loves if he you know if he as he said his shooting boots on he could have had a few last night um so you know, Kovacic is just I th- I said it I said it on a predictions on here I think he'll be this for, for the smart people he'll be the signing of the season because he, I've, I haven't seen a player just come in and just look so naturally at home. I mean, we've gone from De Bruyne at Rodri Gundogan to Foden, Rodri, Kovacic, and the level is. It's, I don't want to say it's no different, but because it's one game, but it, you're struggling. It don't feel like there's been a drop. Yeah, off. you don't. You don't feel like it. And then you think of all the hysteria of which, of which some of which I've come out with. And I stand by some, and I stand by some of it. But Kovacic is a brilliant, brilliant player who's going to bring so much mm. to us for years. If that's his home debut, then I can't wait to see what he does. And he, and he just, and you just know when he hits one of those shots eventually and it goes in, it's going to be the goal of the season because you can just see him keeping. Yeah. It's like Rodri in, in his first couple of years when he kept trying at goal and occasionally it come off. When one of them goes in, it's going to be one of the best goals you've ever seen. Um, Kovacic is an absolutely brilliant player, twenty-five million pound feels like a bargain, especially when you see the money being spent on midfielders in this window and the money City could go on to spend yeah. on midfielders in this window. Um, brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely. Wor- wor- worthy of the number eight shirt. 
Yeah, because it was it was a classic number eight performance, and I, um, I think I've said on the show before, uh, before. Long time listeners will will have heard me saying this, but I, I, I'm a I'm an absolute midfield lover. I love a midfield performances. That's why Rodri's probably one of my favourite City players of all time already, um, let alone just in the current squad. But uh, 91 out of 97 passes completed for Kovacic. That's only second to Rodri himself. It is absolutely it's absolutely astonishing. Uh, but Andrew from one Croat to another, and uh, do you know what Gavardiol's home debut was was reminded me of? And it, it's maybe a, a little poignant and a little sad in a way, but Laporte's home debut back in 2017-18 in the sense that he's, I mean, obviously they're very similar players, but it just looked so comfortable for him, didn't it? The the, the spraying passes from side to side, the, the moment in the second half, which you could say Newcastle's attack was probably guilty of not choosing the right decision when they went... Uh, I think it was Callum Wilson went to try and dribble round him, but you know, Gvardiol one versus three comes out with comes out with the ball or at least stops the attack. It was it was fantastic, and he's fantastic. And uh, I'm not going to say worth the money because I'm not quite sure anybody is worth seventy million pounds. But you know, you get where I'm coming from. It looks like another really smart purchase. So it's funny you went with Laporte's home debut because I was thinking of a different midfielder who I think, or not midfielder defender who shows more of what I think is impressive about Gavardiol's... Mangala? Yeah, Mangala's debut in terms of the physicality. <laughs> now, obviously, yes, I would much yeah. prefer him to have... Let's ha- hope it doesn't go the other yeah, way. Let's, let's hope it goes the Laporte career route rather than the Mangala career route. Yeah. But to me, what I think is... like We knew the passing range was there for mm. Gavardiol, and I think that's something that if you see it in another league, it's not really going to disappear. What can sometimes disappear is someone's ability to defend... Physic, you know, in terms of physical prowess, can that translate to the Premier League, which is a much higher level of physicality, of speed, of fitness? And he just absolutely controls the area that he's in. And I would say that's the mm-hmm. trait that he and Kovacic both share. It's something you see a lot out of Eastern European players, which is they have a physicality to them that whatever area of the pitch they are in, they are going to control the gravity of that space. And with Kovacic, it's the fact that players swarm him and he can just get out of that situation and move the ball forward. With Gavardiol, you're not getting past him with the ball. You are not going to knock it by him and run by. Or if you know he's there, he just has the speed and the power to just kind of make you make the wrong decision, which is something that people would laud Van Dyke for when he was at his pomp, which is he's just so good at reading space that you're going to make the wrong decision trying to go one-on-one with him. He did that several times yesterday. He is just an absolute Rolls Royce of a defender. Maybe there's a fancy Eastern European car we could compare him to. I just don't know one. But I, I can't say enough good things about how he looked. And it's hard to give you know the flowers to a defender a lot of times, but give the flowers to that man because he was phenomenal. It, yeah, it, uh... It can be so daunting, I guess, coming into a Manchester City team, making your debut, not least the treble winning Manchester City team on the first home game of the season. But there seems to be something, I don't know, I don't know if it's coaching wise, obviously recruitment is is fantastic at City, but the, the players more often than not 
making the debuts. And in those key Guardiola positions, you know, it's all right for Haaland to come in and score a couple of goals. He only has to do, well, well, he only has to have two touches to do that, but he doesn't have to be involved for 90 minutes. Whereas with uh, Guardiola, with Kovacic, there are such integral players in in the way City set up or in integral positions in the way City set up. And, and for a game like that, where it was so tense, it was so tetchy, the, the plan was to control and stifle Newcastle. You can't really ask for more, really. Um, we actually haven't. We're, we're about halfway. Uh, sorry, we're about half an hour through and we haven't spoke about the goal scorer, Julian Alvarez. Um Ollie, the, we'll finish on this then because obviously there's another show covering some of the Newcastle talking points coming tomorrow. But it was such a good finish. It was which Argentine striker of City's past do you want to compare him to this time? Carlos Tevez or Aguero? Because I guess it probably felt like a mixture of both, uh, with with a, a tiny little bit of Lionel Messi sprinkled in there as well. But the way he picks it up, uh, another fantastic run from Foden, obviously. But the way he picks it up, swivels and just unleashes a, a mixture of. Power, prowess, accuracy, lob from that area of the pitch as well. Uh, getting it over Nick Pope, who is a, a, a fantastically accomplished goalkeeper. It was it was some goal, some goal. You know how Manuel Akanji has that kind of tr- that maths training where you can just immediately work out and recite mathematical <laughs> equations. Julian Alvarez is like that, but with Argentine footballers, you can just tell him to be like one, and he will just copy their performance perfectly. <laughs> Uh, he's just uh, an absolute little genius. He's an absolute genius, mm. that lad. Um, you know, I, I called it Aguero-esque, but, you know, the rest of his performance, it was more like Tevez because of his work rate. And we've always said that about him. He's a blend of the two, generally. Um, his finishing is oh, it's just... You know, Newcastle spent so much time trying to close down Haaland, defend Haaland, that they just forgot there's a World Cup winner mm. right there. And the amount of yeah. salt that you see on the timeline about the fact that City have bought a World Cup winner for 20 million quid and he's better than any <laughs> any of the others apart from Lionel Messi, um, which I fully believe mm. to be the case. Are you saying Lissandro Martinez is, <laughs> is, uh, is below... Julian Alvarez. Well, well, Martinez had a fantastic finish at the weekend. Yeah, as well. he did. He did. Um, uh, but Lissandra Martinez is below Julian Alvarez in many ways, including height. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if that's true, actually. <laughs> but the easy ones but, are the right, best but, ones. Right, I'll, no, I'll, I'll be. I'll be, I'll be I'll be serious now. Julian Alvarez is an absolutely brilliant player, and it, and it's good to, and it's always good to see him get on the score sheet because it is it, it's not rare because he scores a lot. But when you've got someone like Erling Haaland who just scores relentlessly, it's so good that on the one time he's having an off game, Julian Alvarez is there to pick up the pieces and make it all work. Mm. And you know, the, him and Phil Foden they they look in in sync together, just absolutely perfect mm. in their respective roles. I mean, there was photos of them two celebrating that goal, you know, arms around each other, um, and then a photo of David Silver and Sergio Aguero in a very similar pose. And, uh, you know, we, we can all say, oh, Phil's not exactly like David Silver, he's more like Kevin De Bruyne, he's more like this, he's more like that. But the comparison between those two sort of eras, you know, in terms of attacking midfielder and striker relationship, I think we've got something really special there with Alvarez and Foden, even if Alvarez isn't always going to be playing as a striker. And I, and I think that kind of shows his kind of ability to Guardiola as well, that he can still do all these striker things, pulling defenders into space, you know, making the space for others, making the important runs, getting back and making blocks, but still be able to produce a spectacular finish such as that. 
Um, he's a he's a game changer. He's an he's a proper proper game changer. Whether you start him or whether he comes off the bench, mm. so you know Julian Alvarez, in any in any other game, he would be getting man of the match for his performance uh, and his goal. It's just unfortunate mm. that the guy who gave him that goal, you know, had the had the performance of his life. But you know, I'm sure I'm sure he doesn't mind knowing that City, had, you know, six points from six and you know one trophy in the bag already, with hopefully some more to come. Yeah, it's getting to a point where Julian Alvarez pretty much wins a trophy every time he steps on the football pitch, which is uh, an impressive feat for a, for a young lad like young lad like him. But um, Andrew, I'll, I'll throw the final word to you then on Julian Alvarez because there was a lot of scepticism. I think is the right word to describe it. Sort of after the De Bruyne injury, heading into the season, and obviously there's still plenty of time to come in the transfer window about whether or not. Alvarez is the right man for that job. And, and I do think at times in the previous couple of matches, he's looked like a centre-forward trying to play a position he's not really used to. But as always with a player under Guardiola, it, it takes time. And, and he's a manager who likes to give players the opportunity to make those mistakes and learn on the job. And, and I feel like speaking of the best individual performances, that was probably Alvarez's obviously goal included in it but in terms of a full 90 minutes for Manchester City I can't think of one where he was as menacing he was as involved again picking up pockets all over the pitch which previously I, I don't think it had properly clicked but if we can get him playing behind Hurley Narland obviously hoping Harland starts to well starts to score continues scoring um it could be menacing couldn't it for the rest of the Premier League in Europe absolutely and I think the Look, he's not going to play the KDB role the way KDB plays it. That's not what you should expect. But also, Ilkay Gundogan did not play the David Silva role the way that David Silva did. Freelish did not play. It is never about we need to find a player that does this exact same exact yeah. same thing because that is not how Pep runs his team. No Pep team has ever been the same. Um, he takes great players and molds them into a shape that f- fits their setup. And so for me, I think you look at the squad that we currently have we probably are leaning more to a 4-2-3-1. And if that's the case, I actually think that does fit our currently available players really well of you kind of have a three behind Holland of Alvarez, Foden, mm-hmm. Grealish. They can all kind of interchange. They can go out wide and pull people out of position. Then you have Rodri and Kovacic that both kind of have the engines and the ability to hold that central space. You can push up one of our center backs. You can play into midfield. Walker can go out wide sometimes. He can sit like it. It works. And one of the reasons mm-hmm. it works is that all these players are phenomenal. But Julian Alvarez, people say all the time, like, if he weren't at City, he'd be one of the best strikers in the Premier League. And that's 100% true. He's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. His goal yesterday reminded me of his goal against Fulham at the match we were at, where he just he hit it so hard the keeper has no shot, even though I don't think the keeper did anything wrong. And yeah, shouts yeah. to Alvarez because that was a, a heck of a strike. And I look forward to many to come this season. Yeah, yeah, he, he's certainly one to watch. And um, obviously with Haaland in the team, he's always going to go under the radar. But you, you do feel like if we're sat here in May, in, in eight or nine months' time, we could be looking back at a, a pretty phenomenal season for him, uh, you know, a 25-goaler in all competitions, perhaps. But, um, right, okay, we'll call it a day there. Ollie, thank you very much. We can now go back to uh, crying over the England World Cup defeat, but uh, not too long for another City win, hopefully. So, yeah, thank you very much for jumping on. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Thanks for having me. Fantastic stuff, and Andrew, uh, no more gloating, please. Um, there there is zero, already, there is but, zero yeah. gloating because I'm not happy that Spain <laughs> won either. 
I can see, yeah, true. Look like I like legit see it in your eyes. Legitimately, I want nothing. I'm laughing because like I, I wanted both sides to lose, and that wasn't possible. That, yeah. What was it an NBA game that the the sign holding up? Can both teams please lose or something like that? Yeah. That, that was you. That was you. Yeah, that was. Ba- I, I was there with a uh, like FIFA hat of like I'm here to root for FIFA, <laughs> but I'm actually not because I want them to lose. Like truly, I had no one to support in this match. Dig the Have hole. You just admitted your underlying love for Gianni Infantino oh. because that is a sackable effect. No, I ha- I promise you that if there is one person on this earth that I have no love for, it is Gianni. Infantino. Oh, funny. Uh, right, club statement. Stuff. Let's get out of here then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> corner flag. Um, right, okay, then let's get out of here. It's been a lot of fun. Hit follow, hit subscribe if you haven't already. Until next time, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.